Hey everyone, Sebastian Richard here for the Thriving on Purpose broadcast. Uh, exceptionally, today it's done at a different time. You probably noticed, usually we do it on Wednesday nights. I had something uh, tonight, so I decided to do it earlier today. Uh, so it's still going to be on YouTube, still going to be on all the platforms for Thriving on Purpose on our website, on our uh, uh, podcast page and everywhere. So no need to worry about that. Uh, so obviously, I invite you to visit thrivingonpurpose.com and, and check out our merch. We have some amazing new merch that we uh, took out recently. So I invite you to check those out. Uh, if you want to uh, partner or donate or give to this ministry, there's also a tab on the Thriving on Purpose page where you can do just that. And without any further ado, I will share with you today's broadcast, which is titled The Eight Matrixes of deeper knowledge and experience. And I know the title kind of sounds esoteric, but as we go through it, you're going you're gonna to see where I'm going with this uh, because I'm first going to start and begin ex by explaining what is meant by matrix or matrixes. So the subtitle of this broadcast is Exploring the Main Layers of Secular and Sacred Knowledge. Exploring the main layers of secular and sacred knowledge. So, so obviously the word matrix is a little bit uh, probably familiar to a lot of you uh, due to the movie we the, that came out in 1999 starring Keanu Reeves. The term became uh, a household term used in the media, used uh, pretty much everywhere. We kind of know what the matrix is. So, so, but what does being in a matrix mean? So when I'm talking about... Um, getting out of the matrix or uh, the eight matrixes of deeper knowledge. What is that? What is meant by that? Well, a matrix is inter an, inter an interesting word. It's actually mentioned five times in the King, Jim, uh, in the King James version of the Bible. I don't, I'm babbling all over the place today. So in the King James version of the Bible, it is mentioned five times uh, only in the books of Exodus and Numbers. And I'm not going to go through those verses. You can check them out for yourself. You can find them easily with a concordance or whatnot, or online. But in essence, in the Bible, uh, the matrix is basically a word for the womb. So it means the womb. And it's funny because the matrix, similarly, in what we're going to explore, is a birthing chamber. It is a birthing chamber. So these matrixes that I'm going to explain today, they're like birthing chambers. They birth something in you when you go through them. So we know the term became familiar because of the movie, like I mentioned earlier, the movie The Matrix back in 1999. So it has kind of taken a, a life of its own. The term has taken a life of its own. Uh, the red pill, blue pill uh, analogies and all that stuff that came from the movie is very popular in our, in our popular culture. So the matrix, basically, is where average people who do not believe in themselves live, and that's where they do not amount to anything great. So in the movie The Matrix, the, uh, it, it, it basically means where average people live and where they decide or they unknowingly stay average for the rest of their lives. So that's the matrix. Uh, and there's, I found, and as I advanced in in studying and, and my walk with God and uh, researching. I'm an avid researcher as well. I, I realize that there's many matrixes that a human being can go through in the course of his lifetime and his walk with God. There's there's deeper realms. There's deeper realms of, of, of uh, experience. There's deeper realms of knowledge. And we're going to look at these today. So uh, Jesus, when he came, he came to call people unto himself, and he came to call them out of the matrix of many things, of mediocrity, of unbelief, of ordinary living. Uh, Jesus said he came to give us abundant life, not just ordinary life, right? Uh, he came to call them out of the superficial as well, so a deeper realms of spirituality. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, he said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. So it's conditional. So it's if, if you hold to my teaching, that means to, to not let go. You hold on to it and you don't let go of it and you, you, um, you abide in it. 
So then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I know we like to say the truth will set you free. That's a, a phrase we use kind of gratuitously, but uh, it, it's kind of taken out of context because the real context is if you hold to my teaching, then you will know the truth and then the truth will set you free. So there, there's condition attached there. So we need to really be walking in intimacy with Jesus for that. But I know from experience that most people aren't really free. That, that freedom that Jesus speaks about uh, being uh, initiated by the truth and the truth that's that comes from walking within, most people do not experience that. And that includes, that includes many churchgoers, many Christians as well. So today we're going to explore the many different matrices that we are called to go through in our quest for the deeper life, the deeper truths of God. The scripture tells us in Psalm chapter 42, verse 7, deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. That was written penned by David. All your waves and billows have gone over me. Deep calls unto deep. So the deep things of God call unto the deep things of man because God is spirit and man has a spirit. So his spirit calls unto the spirit of man. This is the deeper realms. God is calling human beings to the deeper realm. His depth calls unto man's spirit and man's depths. Okay. The Bible also says in John 16, 13, Jesus's words, but when he, the spirit of truth, that is the Holy Spirit, comes, he's telling, talking to his disciples and, and the apostles about what's going to happen when the spirit comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak of his own, on his own, but he will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. And what he hears is directly from the throne of God. So he, he, the, the Holy Spirit testifies to what God is saying, to the, what the scriptures and the truths of God are, are saying. So he will guide you into all truth. So let's talk about the first matrix. Well, the first matrix, we're all born into it. So we're all born into a matrix. And that's pretty much the matrix that was referred to in the movie, The Matrix. You know, the, the place where we're, we're all human beings uh, are, are dealing with what we call the world. That's the matrix we're all born into. And I called it the early education or the mainstream education or mainstream matrix. So early mainstream education matrix. And that matrix is secular. It is secular. And 85% of people stay in this matrix for their whole life. They don't break free from that first matrix that we're all born into. Now think about that for a second. It's really sad. Um, it, it's, it weighs, these, these words are weighty. Uh, it's, it's, it's tragic. It reminds me of uh, um, a quote, of, I think it was Miles Monroe who said that uh, the greatest tragedy in life that, is that most people die without having found their purpose. That's the matrix we're born into. And 85% of the population stay in this matrix and don't break free. So what is it? What do we find in this matrix? Well, there's our parental education. I mean, every family is different. We all get poured into by our parents to some degree or another, good or bad. A lot of stuff is, gets poured into us in, in our early education. There's, there's, of course, our schooling. and That varies from country to country, city to city. Wherever you're born on the planet, it's going to be very different, right? So there's, of course, math. There's languages. There's science. There's geography, history, uh, social science, writing, basic, uh, basic writing, basic social interaction and social integration. Uh, mainstream media, what what is around us, what are the popular thinking is around us. That's the mainstream matrix or the early mainstream education matrix. But there are people who break free from that, praise God. Um, and those are the people who, in uh, whenever you see someone exceptional in life, they broke free from that first very basic matrix. 
No one exceptional is in this matrix. That's the place of ordinary folks who knowingly or not stay ordinary. So consciously or not remain ordinary. Okay. So the number two, the second matrix. The second matrix is very interesting to me. And it's been a blessing, a great blessing in my life. And it's a matrix that I discovered that I broke through only later in life, which is a, a little bit funny to me that I didn't find it earlier. But it's the matrix of personal growth. The matrix of personal growth. It's a secular matrix. So as you're going to see, as we advance in this teaching, there's secular and there's the sacred. The secular and the sacred. So we're going to consider secular matrices and, and the sacred ones. But this one is secular. And between, on, I would estimate, between 12 to 15% break through this matrix. But here's what I found doing research. The percentage is much higher among millennials and younger generations. So the, the millennials have found personal growth to be something that they're very attracted to. They really enjoy it. And most of them uh, embrace personal growth, <clears throat> sorry, for uh, financial reasons. So they want to be the next the next big thing. So uh, they, they find their guru and they want to make lots of money. And then they begin embracing personal growth for that reason. I mean, it's not a necessarily bad reason. Uh, it's always good to do personal growth and it's going gonna, it's gonna to bring you good things for sure. But you got to be careful about your motives, of course. Now, what are we talking about when we're talking about personal growth? Well, I, I, I got some bullet points for you guys. So, of course, we're talking about entrepreneurship. That's a big one. Intentionality. So recognizing intentionality in our lives. A lot of people are not intentional. John Maxwell said most people accept their lives. They don't live their lives. And that's the difference between being intentional and being unintentional. Unintentional people accept their lives. Intentional people live their lives. They lead their lives. And that's the big difference there. Uh, rejecting cognitive dissonance. So cognitive dissonance, what is that? Well, cognitive dissonance basically is you have your set of beliefs as a human being. You have all the kinds of stuff that you believe, okay, that you've embraced, that, you, that you've come to know as truth. Cognitive dissonance is a phenomenon that happens when you hear another opinion or something that comes against what you have come to know as truth and rejecting it. That is cognitive dissonance. So you have your truth, what you believe is true. You hear another opinion which could very well be true. And your reflex is, I'm rejecting that. That is what is called cognitive dissonance. So when those who embrace personal growth, they decide to reject cognitive dissonance. In other words, they become open-minded. They're like, you know what? I'm always open to grow and learn. And as a result, I will be open to other opinions, other theories, other stuff that I may not be familiar with. They... Uh, the people who embrace, uh, who go through this matrix, who decide that, to go through this matrix, they develop their mindset. They seek their purpose. Maybe I should stop at developing your mindset because that's a big one. Um, they have a growth mindset. They, they are always uh, hungry to learn, hungry to grow, hungry to learn new skills, hungry to apply new things. So they don't have a, a failure mentality. Uh, I can't do this. I've never done that, so I'll never do it. Or uh, I don't want to taste this new food. Or I don't like. They have a growth mindset, they, they, so they're not like that. They're they're like, yeah, I'll try that. Okay, I'll try that new food. I'll try that new uh, that new activity. That new bread. That <laughs> I'll I'll read that new book. They're they're they develop their mindset on purpose. They're they're always trying new things. Uh, they seek their purpose. They want to find what they're here for. What am I on earth for? So they seek their purpose. Uh, they are regular readers. You know, leaders are readers and readers are leaders. I teach that all the time. Well, they embrace regular re a regular reading regimen. The three R's, a regular reading regimen. So they're constant learners. They're lifelong learners. They are disciplined. They're disciplined people. They choose to develop new skills. I mentioned that. 
they want, they desire to develop their character. They want to have more integrity. They want to be a person, uh, someone with more um, better personal skills, getting along with people, developing kindness, developing gratitude. They want to develop their character. They want to master their emotions. They don't want to let anger rule them, sadness, depression rule them. So they've made the decision. They will, they will master themselves and their emotions. They're into leadership development. A lot of them embrace leadership development. They understand that many people are not born leaders, but they become leaders. So they're into that. Uh, some of them also might study neuro-linguistic programming, which is a fancy word basically to say that uh, no more negative self-talk. No more negative self-talk. And you embrace a positive self-talk. So all that good stuff, that's very positive. And uh, there's a few people about, I said, uh, what was it? Between 12 and 15% and a much higher percentage in millennials. So it varies. Obviously, it varies from country to country. It varies from neighborhood to neighborhood. It varies from um, um, demographics, women, men, all those things. But I'm giving you a ballpark of between 12 and 15% of the population embraces this. Decide to go through that matrix. They're like, I'm going to get through the first matrix where everybody settles and I, I want more. Number three, number three, and this one, uh, this one might ruffle some feathers, but I still believe it's it's um, it's definitely a matrix that that we should go through. The fringe knowledge matrix. Um, some call it conspiracy theory. I prefer fringe knowledge. So knowledge that is on the fringe that is not mainstream. So this particular matrix is interesting because oftentimes it offers a blend of secular knowledge and some sacred knowledge. So there's a little bit of both in that matrix. And around, I've estimated in my lifetime and in, in, in my acquaintances that everything that I've gone through, and this is not, this is really just ballpark and my own estimate. So don't take it to, don't write a book on that statistic, but I estimate it's about between four and maybe 8% of the population who uh, decide to go through this matrix, okay? This birthing chamber. So the people who decide to go through this matrix, they develop a skeptical mind. So they look at what's around them and they're like, you know what, there's a lot of stuff. I I'm hearing a lot of voices here. Which ones should I listen to? Which ones are true? Which ones are false? So they, they become very, very selective and they develop a skeptical mind. They begin thinking for themselves. They think for themselves. Oh, I was taught this in school, but you know what? After reading a little bit, after researching a little bit, I found out that that may not be true. And I'm willing to learn what the truth is. So they decide to think for themselves. So they're willing to unlearn what they have learned. Kind of like what Yoda said, right? You must unlearn what you have learned. Well, that's when, when you, uh, the matrix we're born into, that's where you're going to learn the most stuff that later you'll have to unlearn because you're born into it. It's imposed on you. Some of it's perfectly fine and good, like brushing your teeth and, and keeping good hygiene and how to go shopping and how to count money and all that good stuff. But some of it just uh, you need to unlearn it as you go later in your life. Uh, the persons, the people in this uh, matrix, the fringe knowledge matrix, they... Um, so they learn to develop personal research habits, personal research. So they don't accept any just any research or, or any stats presented to them. Like you, you might be listening to this broadcast and I encourage you to be someone who's going to do your own personal research. Well, Sebastian said this today, but you know what? I'm not sure I believe that. I'm going to go research it myself. And I always encourage my listeners and, and my readers and, and anybody who listens to me really to become uh, very free thinkers and, and people who, who don't believe me, but who, who if they have doubts, sometimes the Holy Ghost might give you conviction, that's true and you're good and you're fine. But, uh, but if you do have doubts, that's fine and that's healthy. And I encourage my listeners to go and figure it out for themselves. Do your own research, okay? So they develop personal research habits. Uh, they may look up, I'm going to go through, through a list here. And you might be like, whoa, where is he going with this one? Don't panic. 
I'm just giving you some stuff here, and I encourage you to, to, to consider these matters, okay? So they might look up revisionist history, revisionism. And in the, not just in history, they might consider revisionist theology. And they might even read some banned books. I, I once uh, saw a bumper sticker, or was it a fridge magnet? I don't remember, but it was funny. It said, everything valuable I learned, I learned from banned books. There's a certain truth to that. And I'm not saying go go read the, the, the most horrific banned books that are in existence out there. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying that uh, some books, don't forget the Bible in certain countries is a banned book. Okay, so don't forget that. And even in, in the church, if you tell them, for example, that you're reading um, pseudepigraphal uh, content, or Old Testament pseudepigrapha, that means... Uh, uh, books that were written under a false name that are not really written by the name that it said is written or, or uh, non-canonical books, de deuterocanonical books, these types of things. There's a lot of pastors who, who, who go crazy when you tell them that they go like, oh, you shouldn't read that. Those books are going they kind of panic. And, and there's, you know, for the most part, these books can add tremendous value to you. And uh, for example, one of Ecclesiasticus, or also known as the writings of Ben Sira, or, or I think it's Ben Sira. Yes, for me, were it was a huge blessing. There's so much wisdom in that book, and that's just one example. So they're willing to consider alternative, all kinds of alternative stuff, alternative psychology, alternative medicine, alternative science, alternative media or news. Of course, I mean there's there's. When you when you're born into the uh, the matrix, I don't know. Did I go through the stuff in the matrix? Yeah, I did the mainstream media. I mentioned it. Yeah. Uh, so alternative media or alternative news, uh, conspiracy research. I know there's a lot of flack going on in the media about the uh, how conspiracy researchers are nuts. But uh, you'll find out if you do decide to research some stuff, you're going to find stuff that just makes plenty of good old sense so then you might find yourself well am i becoming a conspiracy theorist and you might be afraid <laughs> but that's okay it's part of your growth process and you, i'm not saying you become a full-blown conspiracy theorist but I'm, I'm saying that if you do hold to certain conspiratorial beliefs there's nothing wrong with that understanding and or formulating fringe theories um there's definitely something wrong with, with too much mainstream. It's Mark Twain who said, when you're on the side of the majority, it's time to pause and reflect. And that's really good advice. So uh, when you are able to understand or formulate your own fringe theories, that's a sign of great mental uh, health, I would say. Okay, let's talk about now the fourth matrix. And this one is the most important matrix and it's a it's a very particular matrix because uh, you go through that one quite fast for some people it's a matter of minutes and it's a done thing but this fourth matrix is the one that enables you to pierce through into the sacred as you've noticed that the first three ones uh, were a secular matrixes the third one was uh, about uh, fringe the fringe uh, knowledge matrix, it was a little bit of sacred and secular. So there was a little bit of sacred there. But the fourth one really enables people to pierce through into the sacred. And that is the matrix of the new birth. The new birth. And it's, it's interesting because we looked earlier how the word matrix is a womb in the Bible, right? And you are to be born again of the spirit. Jesus said to Nicodemus, well, the new birth is really you being born through a new matrix of understanding because by this matrix, everything becomes new. Your whole uh, lens of how you look at the world becomes completely transformed. That is the, if you're going to go through one matrix, if you look at the eight I'm going to talk about today and you think, they're all out there and they all don't apply to you or whatever. For whatever reason, there's one matrix that I believe is for every single human being. In the sense that I'm not saying they're all going to go through it, but I'm saying it's a call. It's a matrix that we're called to break through. It's the one of the new birth. 
that enables you to pierce into the sacred. And again, I'm going to give you a stat, but that is really, see, I looked at stats today and I was like trying to figure this out because being born again and going to church are two very different things. So the number of born again people in churches is not the number of people you see in the church. So let's say, for example, in a church of 300 people, well, there's not 300 born again people in that church on any given Sunday. So it's not because someone is in church that they're born again. Um, so it's very hard to gauge the percentage of the world's population that has been born again. But I'm throwing that out there. I think it's probably around 5% of the world's population. And I know for those of you listening to me in the U.S., you're going to go like, what? 5%? Are you crazy? I know so many people who are born again. Yeah, you're in the U.S. But I'm talking about worldwide. Consider all countries from all places. And the genuine born-again experience, born from heaven, I think it, it, it might be a little bit more than 5%. I gave a very conservative number. Maybe it's between 5 and 10%, but it's not a lot. It's not a lot. And it always depends on the region you're in. I mean, there's not many. that many. I remember in Quebec, I had heard a statistic by a, a pastor at the time. He was talking about the province of Quebec in Canada, very specific and he said it was 2% of the population. And it's a Western, it's a place, it's part of a Western country. Canada is a Western country. Quebec is part of Canada. But Quebec, of all Canadian provinces, is, is the most pagan. It's the least religiously inclined for all kinds of reasons that I won't get into today. But it's, it was about 2% in Quebec. So it's not that's not a lot. So what happens at the new birth? How does one uh, get birth? into and through that matrix, because it's not a matrix you, I hope it's not a matrix you, well, it's, we're going to look at the other ones where you're supposed to abide, but <laughs> this one, you're birthed through it. So it starts, it begins with acknowledging God in his word, then coming to a realization of your own sin, acknowledging your own sin. Then you repent of your sin before God, because you realize God is holy. I'm sinful. Yes, there's something wrong here. And then you realize the provision that God gave for that sin that came in the person of Jesus Christ. So you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And then once that is done, you walk in the truth of Scripture. You feed yourself on the Bible. You walk in the truth of Scripture continually. You develop slowly a prayer life. And you do your best to obey God daily. Because now you, you have a new master, a new Lord. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. So basically, that's that's the birthing through this matrix, the matrix of the new birth. And it's the most important one. And it's the one that births all the other ones that are going to follow. So it's very it's a very important passage, the new birth. Number five, the fifth matrix that um, we can go through is the matrix of the realms of the Holy Spirit. I, I, I had a hard time like finding shorter terms to define these matrix. I could have called it um, uh, the Holy Spirit matrix, or but I like calling it the realms of the Holy Spirit. That is a sacred matrix, number five, a very sacred matrix. And this is the matrix in your Christian life. Once you're born again and you become a Christian, this is the matrix where acceleration and supernatural living truly begins. It's pretty phenomenal. So from here on, so I'm at number five. I, I said there's eight matrices. From here on, you'll notice the percentage is minimal. So if we take the whole world's population, the people who are uh, going through the realms of the Holy Spirit, who are abiding in the realms of the Holy Spirit, learning through that, very minimal. So I didn't even put a percentage. I, I think it's very small, probably under one or 2%. So these are people who have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with fire. Some of them have shown evidence of, of speaking in tongues. A large, very large percentage of them have shown evidence of speaking in tongues. Evidence of the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, so, and you know, the new birth and, and this, there's a lot of things that, that can happen. In other words, some of them can happen in one camp for some people and, and other others will experience it, experience it in the second camp. So they kind of like intertwine and, and it, these matrices are very intimately connected. 
so there's evidence of the fruit of the spirit, recognizing and using your spiritual gifts and anointings. So there's an awareness of spiritual giftedness in this particular matrix. Um, regular confirmation of the Holy Spirit of God living within you. And what I mean by regular confirmation, you feel his spirit burning inside of you. You get regular confirmation of his presence. Uh, you develop a taste for intercession. You went, you're going farther than just simple prayer. You're, you're diving deeper in the prayer life. You, you're starting to delve into intercession. Uh, you hear the voice of God regularly in this matrix. He speaks to you. You hear him. You recognize his voice. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me, said Jesus Christ. And you're starting to walk in the supernatural in this matrix. This is a very exciting matrix. And like I said, this is where acceleration and supernatural living really starts to really show up in the believer's life. Number six, I included that one there because I think it is so important and so unknown, uh, misunderstood. I call it the kingdom understanding and awareness matrix. The kingdom understanding and awareness matrix and of course it's also a sacred matrix and uh, in my book kingdom fundamentals i wrote this i believe there are three main stages in a believer's spiritual journey three main stages and basically you're going to see it resonates with what i'm teaching today the first one is the new birth i spoke about that the second one is the baptism of the holy spirit i spoke about that and the third one, the third one is this one here called the Kingdom Understanding and Awareness Matrix, is coming to an understanding of what the kingdom of God is, how it operates in the earth realm, and most importantly, how it operates in you and through you. So it's about living out a vibrant faith that is based on the deeper knowledge of his kingdom. And his kingdom laws. So some bullet points here to share with you guys. What, what does that look like? Well, it gives the believer a deep desire for his kingdom. Not just a deep desire for intimacy with Jesus, uh, but a deep desire for his kingdom. Seeking first the kingdom and his glory. It implies growing in your faith. Kingdom knowledge, obviously. Kingdom identity. You identify not, you don't identify as a Christian anymore. You start shifting because you're moving from religion to kingdom. And it's a, that big shift makes you identify. It, it, it defines your kingdom identity. You're like, I'm not a Christian anymore. I'm a kingdom citizen. And that is so much different. I'm a kingdom citizen. It also brings about embracing, embracing sonship. See, when we, when we first become born again, when we know, like the, we read in the Bible, oh, you're a son of God now. I'm a son of God now. You know, we say it and, and we believe it. And we, 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 we're like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm a son. But we don't always feel like a son. We don't act like sons most times. We don't ask like sons. But when you develop your kingdom identity, the way you ask God shifts and changes. Because you embrace sonship and you begin asking like a son. And it makes a big difference in your walk with God. You begin rejecting perverse thinking and religious thinking. What is perverse thinking? I talk about it in my book, Kingdom Fundamentals. If you haven't gotten this book, you need to get this book. It's going to change your life. And I know a lot of authors say this, but I mean it and I know it's true. I know this book can change lives and I know it has the content and it has changed my life. So that's that's enough for my shameless plug, but uh, get this book. You, you won't regret it. So uh, you begin purposefully sowing and reaping. So you start understanding how kingdom laws operate in, in your life as a believer, as a son, as a kingdom citizen. And, and those people, they begin cheerfully giving, cheerfully sowing finances into, back into the kingdom and reaping rewards from it. They understand sonship privilege. I mentioned the importance of sonship and embracing it. But once you understand the privileges attached to being a son as opposed to being a servant, it, it really shifts and changes your, your whole approach and, and walk with God. It enables a believer to live out 
the heavenly book written about you. There, there's a lot of uh, preachers that have been saying this recently, and I believe it with my whole heart because I know my God and I know how he operates, that there is a book that was written about you in heaven, that when the Father dispatched your spirit to, to come down on this earth and be born in a body as a human being, he had a purpose for you that was kingdom ordained, an assignment and a purpose. And it was very, very clearly written in a, in a book in heaven. And this book is basically the best version of yourself as you walk out God's purpose for you. So that's what is written in this book. So it's your, it's basically what, what uh, I won't mention him, but it's kind of like, what happens when you're really, really walking in alignment with God's will and you're living out his will every day? What is it going to look like? Well, it's going to look like that book, okay? Those who uh, are living through this matrix, they desire to expand the kingdom of God. They have a fire and a hunger and they're like, I want God's kingdom to keep moving forward and expand and I want to see souls brought into the kingdom. I want to see disciples made into the kingdom. Uh, it enables the people, people living through this matrix, are, experience God's favor regularly. They experience it regularly. It becomes more, it becomes their norm as opposed to the exception. See, when prior to kingdom, when you see God's favor, you're like, well, that's the exception, but you're happy, you're, you're thankful, you're excited, it's fun. But imagine that multiplied in your life. Well, that's what kingdom awareness and walking in that matrix, walking through that matrix, the breakthrough it, it offers does. So again, if you haven't gotten the book, Kingdom Fundamentals, make sure you put it on your wish list at the very least uh, on Amazon because you won't regret this. Number seven. Now, now we're, we're moving on to yet another sacred matrix. But this one is very particular. And I could have included it in a prior matrix. So I could have had, I was hesitant. I was like, should I put it in the, um, the realms of the spirit matrix? Because they're, 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 they're related. I call it the spiritual warfare knowledge matrix. The spiritual warfare knowledge matrix. I decided to to make it separate because I think it's, it is an extra layer. It's an extra layer. And a lot of believers skip it. A lot of believers don't understand it. They don't want to understand it. They don't want to go there <laughs> because it is, it's particular. So it's for a very small percentage of believers actually go through that matrix. And yet it was interestingly enough about Estimates vary, but it's about 20 to 25% of Jesus's ministry was about casting out demons, engaging in spiritual warfare, taking back territory from the devil. That's what uh, a big part, it was 25, 20 to 25% of Jesus's ministry. So what does that look like? When, when a believer is walking through that matrix, living in it, living it, being birthed through it, he's going to be using his authority daily, using his God-given, born-again, kingdom-assigned authority daily. They're going to have a deeper understanding of the occult, of all that has to do with the occult and its many, many pitfalls. They're going to understand the ramifications of the enemy's camp and the many organizational hierarchies that are part of the devil's camp. They're going to gain a deeper understanding. So basically what we call the demonic. They're going to gain greater discernment in these areas. They're going to understand the realms of the angelic as well. So they're going to understand more about the roles of angels and their interactions with men. I'm not saying they're going to start praying to angels. I'm just saying they're going to gain an understanding of why angels are dispatched, what their role is, how they can assist men, and, and so on and so forth. They're going to extend their kingdom influence over territories. The, the, the warriors, the spiritual warriors who are more um, astute or experienced or seasoned, they take back territory from the enemy. So they, they, they it, and it's not just a, a small sphere of influence. It's a larger sphere of influence. 
and I talk about that in the book of Kingdom Fundamentals. They're good at breaking strongholds and generational curses because, again, they understand how these things come about and what keeps men and women bound, bound in, in, in the uh, repetitive sin, bound in, in all kinds of doctrinal bondage, bound in uh, sometimes it's just your life is just stuck in a place and it's just not, not moving forward and it, some stuff needs to be broken off of it. So they understand that. Uh, they 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 understand the power of fasting as well. They're gonna they're more fasters. They don't um, they're not casual Christians. These people they experience deliverance. So they've experienced it most of the time. They've experienced it in their own lives, and they they thrive on making others experience the the deliverance and freedom that comes from being free from those things. So they cast out demons in other people. And they're able to recognize the influences in people's lives that are um, that are keeping them bound and hurting them. And they have a heart for uh, helping those people. So that's a very particular matrix. And I wasn't sure I was going to put it there, but I think it is a very special area or layer of knowledge in the body of Christ that is not that, not that common. You know, there's a lot of people who don't understand a lot of things about that particular uh, matrix or, or layer of knowledge, I guess you could say. And finally, number eight, uh, that's the deeper place. We've reached the end, the last one, the deeper place, which is finding the deep realms of God and deep, deep intimacy with the Lord. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I ain't there yet. <laughs> I ain't there yet. I've been in the other matrices to some degree or another. To some degree or another. So, so I'm familiar with them. I have lived them out to some degree or another. Some more than others. But this one, I can only tell you about it. I can keep aiming for it. Because that's what I'm doing with my life. That's where I want to go. I want to go there. So what's the deeper place? Well, the deeper place has many, many things that happen to those who have gone the distance. That's for those who have gone the distance with God. Uh, who've gone through much and who have been willing to pay the price. And the price of entry is everything. Everything. Those who have gone to the deeper place have surrendered everything. So what will you find there? What do you find in that particular matrix? Well, all kinds of good stuff, like the powerful stuff, the life-changing, not for just for you, but for other people and people's as well so open visions is one of the things that that uh, so open open vision seeing seeing open visions of of god and his angels or heaven or uh, uh, other dimensions or whatnot these people experience open visions god dreams and revelations constantly a lot of those god dreams and revelations powerful life-changing dreams i've had some dreams here and there but I, I don't consider myself someone part of that realm of that matrix yet. Experiencing the glory of heaven. Someone once said, I was here listening to someone this week. He said, when the glory comes, all shackles fall. When you get to that deeper realm, when you're able to tap into it, there is no more hindrances anymore. So you're basically walking on earth as you would walk in heaven. That's what I'm talking about. So when we pray in the Lord's Prayer, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's say you're let's say you're applying that to your life. Because sometimes we see it as general. Like, well, Lord, on the earth, may your will be done. No, in my life. May your will be done on earth in my life as it is in heaven. In other words, when you're walking fully, fully in, in heaven's will, in God's will for your life and experiencing it, there's no hindrances there. So you're experiencing the glory of heaven manifest in your life. And that is an amazing uh, thing. I've heard testimonies, a lot of testimonies. Like I said, I did, that's not, I, I want to tap into that realm. I want to get in through that matrix for sure and that's something you know what i'm what i'm sharing with you guys today you all need to want to get to there that's where you all need to want 
because some some of some of you don't even desire that some of you are like ah no but you should we should all desire that with an ardent fiery heart miracles signs and wonders healings more like having a, a healing anointing the, the, the presence of the lord is so powerful in your life that you, you touch people remember paul uh was it paul or peter i forget his cloth they would just touch a, a, a cloth that had been with him and they would be healed and that's what i'm talking about uh, so open visions open heavens being able to seek and kind of like jack uh, jacob you know the the, the ladder going up to and fro, the angels coming up and down and being able to see the two realms connect, the earthly realm and the heaven realms and, and seeing what's going on coming in and to and fro and all that stuff. Angelic visitations. Ever seen an angel? I've experienced angels. I have known the presence of angels. I have felt it. I've never seen one. I've never seen an angel. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that. That's not quite true. There's a there's a, an episode in my life that was really particular. <laughs> we were in a snowstorm, and I'm going to tell you the story. We were in a snowstorm in Canada, and uh, I was helping my sister we, uh, to uh, get the snow out of her car because the the snow plow had passed, and her car was completely buried. So we needed to, to shovel. And you know, in Canada, we got these big snowstorms, 35, 40 centimeters, and it was a huge one. It was a whopper. So I was helping my sister get unstuck for her to go to work. She needed to go to work. And my dad was there. He was helping. And my sister was And We were like trying to get her out of that. Uh, she was just buried in snow. And, uh, and we were pushing on her car. And we were trying and pushing and trying to get her out. And she was just like skidding. The wheels were just going. She was just not getting out. Suddenly, there's this guy who comes on, on the sidewalk. He says, hey, guys, you need a hand? Oh, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. So he pushes with us. A car gets unstuck, like, instantly. And then we're all like, my sister, my dad, and I, we're all like, yeah, all right. And we turn around to thank the guy. He's gone. <laughs> he was gone. Just like that. And and we were all we all looked at each other, and I remember my dad says, "Well, that was strange," <laughs> but deep down we all knew that what just what just happened was an angelic visitation that he came to help us. So I shouldn't have said that I didn't see an angel, because that day I did, that day I did, but he was in disguise, so it wasn't like seeing an angel appear twenty foot tall with a sword of fire. It's not quite the same thing, but he was in disguise. He was doing some business here on earth and, and, and I'm so happy he stopped by to help us. So obviously we're talking about encounters with angels in that realm, encounters with Jesus Christ himself. There's some people who have seen Jesus Christ and, I, and, I, and I'm not saying all those who say that they've seen Jesus is true. There's a lot of quacks out there. There's a lot of false prophets. There's a lot of wolves in sheep's clothing saying they've seen Jesus and they attract a lot of people and they, they deceive many. So we need to be discerning when we listen to these people. But some people in that realm have had conversations, seeing Jesus face to face. It's absolutely fantastic. Hasn't happened to me yet. And I'm, uh, I'm saying it publicly. I can't wait. And I hope it happens before I die. I want to see the Lord Jesus um, and have an encounter with him before I die. Because I know that no man walks away the same after an encounter with Jesus. Some even have encounters with God in the light. They see God's light in such a blinding um, way. Uh, they, they're like taken in a vision, open vision before the throne of God. And Paul said he was taken to the third heaven and he saw extraordinary things that he wasn't allowed to reveal at the time. He wasn't allowed to say what, what he saw there. Too extraordinary for him to say. But this, that's the realm we're talking about. So there's people, obviously, in the scriptures who've been in, in that realm. Many in the scriptures, uh, obviously the apostles, uh, Paul, Peter, John, uh, they've been in that realm. They've seen that realm. They've experienced that realm. But but also in our in uh, in earlier, uh, not earlier, but in uh, in later history, 
more recently, I guess you could say. So thinking about uh, Smith Wigglesworth, read this guy's account, uh, John G. Lake, Catherine Kuhlman, William Brannan, and so on and so forth. And I'm not saying that I necessarily endorse all these people. Actually, I do like all of them, but <laughs> do your research. You might, you might some people there that you like, oh, I don't believe in that guy. That's fine. I don't care. You, you, you do your own research. But what I'm saying is that there's men and women today who have tapped in this deeper matrix that we're all called to once we are born again. Once you're born again, you're called to, to that, to going that far with God. But only few people go that far with God. But man, that's where all the glory and that's where everything is. And that's where we should all want to be. So I've unpacked a lot of stuff today. Uh, I hope it has blessed you. I hope you're going to run with it. Uh, I hope you're going to do your own research. I hope you're going to make decisions. If you've seen some matrix there that you're like, ah, not familiar with that matrix, or um, I, I would like to know more about that matrix. I would like to develop. Look, there's some that are very easy, especially the first few ones. Forget the first one, and we're all born into it, so there's no merit there. <laughs> But the, then the second and third one, and, and these, so so on and so forth, you can you can all decide, be intentional about it and be like, I'm not going to pitch my tent at one level and stay there. I'm going to climb higher. I want to climb. I want to obey God's voice. You know, when he said to John, come up higher and I will show you what's going to happen. Come up higher. In Revelation, he said that to John. Well, we need, we need to all come up higher. We can't settle. You, you don't want to settle. We're not in a time where settling is acceptable. So I hope that this broadcast has blessed you. Make sure you visit you visit uh, thrivingonpurpose.com. If you're not signed up to our weekly newsletter, make sure you sign up to our weekly newsletter where we give news about the ministry. There's no censorship there. Uh, so if ever if ever on social media for whatever reason we're, we get censored, you'll still be connected with us and our ministry. I hope this has blessed you. I hope you have a blessed week. And if it has blessed you, make sure you share it with others. Jesus be with you. God be with you. And um, keep on growing. Keep on thriving. See you next time.